No, no, I think Breakthrough TV gives bad, bad, bad broadcasting a good name. You're listening to Con Air Radio. Stop whining. It's about to begin. (laughs) All right, we are back with another episode of Con Air Radio. Of course, we are your hosts. We got R-Tab. That's me. The criminologist, Jess. Hello. And, of course, the illegitimate love child of Hagrid. This is Jared. How's everybody doing? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. So uh, we got somebody special in the uh, in the studio today. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce her and let her know, let us know who she is? Well, this is a local favorite in Arizona, uh, Jeannie Koch. Yes. Koch. I pronounce things <laughs> terribly, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I appreciate you getting that right. <laughs> well, uh, well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited to be here. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, <laughs> Why like, do we uh, have her on Nartab? <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of, kind of did a phase real quick there. Um, we understand. I wandered in. <laughs> We've actually, well, not well, we haven't had that. In the <laughs> wandered in. They said you seem nice. Here's a headset. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. hang out. Yeah. That's, um, that's how we do things here at Con Air Radio. So, how many books do you have right now? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you the challenging question. <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks <laughs> for that smooth intro there. In, in case you have so it, many. She's an author. So, so I many. I said that already. Oh, yeah. She said yeah. favorite local author. He did. Oh, he okay. Did. I so, heard favorite I, local. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Please. I, well, I'd yeah, like we, to be both. We just picked her up off the street. She's yeah, like a favorite local out front. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's what it I'm a like clean to... homeless person. Uh, so... Um, I write the Alien Catherine Kitty Cat series for Doll Books, which is part of Penguin Random House. I also write the Alexander Outland series. I write the Necropolis Enforcement Files series, the Martian Alliance Chronicle series. And that's as Ginny Kutch, Alexander Outland is G.J. Kutch. I write under a variety of pen names, seven right now, because it's wow. a controlled form of schizophrenia, and I make it work for me. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, yeah. I have multiple personalities, and each one of the, the pen names actually is a different person in my mind, so that when I'm writing, I know the mindset. So, yeah, like I said, controlled form of, of the insanity there. Good that would way be to funny. differentiate. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and they actually sound different, which is why I write um, under different pen names. Um, I write science fiction, fantasy, paranormal, urban fantasy, mystery, suspense, uh, all Old West fiction, horror, um, and probably some other things I'm really blanking on and forgetting, and I, I apologize to whichever <laughs> pen name I forgot um, in there. So, and my voice changes, which is why I change my names. The people ask, which is why I'm offering that up right now. Um, so when I'm writing as Anita Ensal, she doesn't sound like Ginny Koch or Gemma Chase, even though all three of them are writing science fiction, fantasy, paranormal, things like that. So it's nice, because as Ginny Koch and G.J. Koch, I have to make everybody laugh. And, you know, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. It's very true. Mm-hmm. And um, after I've had to make people laugh, my books are very long in the Alien series now. Daw, thank God, likes long. <laughs> so I'm in, like, George R. R. Martin territory. You know, I'm on a, <laughs> I, a two-book-a-year contract. Oh, so, my. Ooh, yeah. That's tight. Yeah, it is. Don't ask me how I'm doing on book 16, <laughs> which is going to be late 
Sorry, everybody, because it's already late. Um, but, you know, my books are 180,000 words on average, which is very thick and a lot it of pages. Is. And so after you've written funny for that long, it is really nice to take a break and kill things, um, which is why I write horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the monsters get to win, and I don't have to make everybody happy at the end. Uh, so that's so that's really nice. And then there's things I want to do that uh, you can't do in a funny manner, or I don't wish to do in a funny manner. So it's nice to do different things. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Awesome. So I guess my first question, because you answered what was going to be my first question. <laughs> I write under a pen name as well. My major problem is is maintaining social media. Do you have social media accounts for all of those? No, I, I originally I had planned to. Right. And uh, Ginny Koch is not my real name either. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, and you know. You can figure out my real name if you look at copyright on anything. So yeah. right. this this revelation isn't as revelatory as it could be. But um, when I'm doing when I am doing things in public, I prefer to be talked to as Jeannie Koch, not my real person. Right. It helps me remember where the hell I am and what I'm doing. But I had originally had this grandiose plan of each name was going to have its own separate thing, and I would be, you know, I would have to like disguise myself in some way <laughs> if I was going to something else. And, mm-hmm. and I had just landed my agent. We had just gotten the tuba contract with Daw for the Alien series for Touched by an Alien, which is book one, and Alien Tango, which is book two. And then I sold a short story as Anita Ensol to a small press. They were so excited. They did an interview with me. And the first line of the interview says, Phoenix resident Jeannie Cook writes as both Ginny Koch and Anita Ensall. And we're so excited that we have her first short story. And I'm like, well, there's no kind of not hiding, are we, here? (laughs) So that kind of blew the plan. And I am utterly so grateful. It is hard enough to run one social media account as me, let alone seven or eight or ten because mm-hmm. sometimes a new voice crops up and my critique critique partner Lisa DeViki and my distance assistant Colette Schmiel will read them and they'll be go, Oh, this is not Ginny. This is not Gemma. You know, this is not Anita. And it's like, oh my God, I gotta come up with a new name. And we love it, but it's none of the voices you've already used. This voice right. is distinctly different. And now I have to use a new pen name because I feel your name is your promise to the right. reader. If they pick up Ginny Koch, they expect it to be funny. And the few times where I haven't been just rip roaringly funny, I've had fans complain. Yeah. And it's just it's exhausting. <laughs> and I just want to be able to do not funny occasionally. I like being right. science fiction's funny girl. I just also want to do other things because right. it's tiring. You're running yeah. social media does get oh, a little yeah. tedious after time. I run, I run like five Twitter accounts, oh four God. Facebook accounts, a couple of Google+. Plus. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, I'm barely, as my real name, I'm barely on social media. I'm there because mm-hmm. I started it. I, I'm an early adopter on a lot of things, so... I was doing social media bef- way before it was cool. I was training people on how to use social media way before people were being trained on it. And so I had accounts on Facebook and I had accounts on Twitter as myself. And we even had a couple for our dogs, which I decided I don't have enough time in the world to run the Spotted Fiends Facebook and Twitter page. Yeah. That's just going to have to not be a thing. And someone else will get to reap the benefits of their cute pet but it's not going to be me. Right. Yeah, uh, actually, a uh, friend of the show, Nicole and Kiba, 
Oh, oh I know yeah. Kiba. Yes. I know Kiba. She, she, Kiba's she runs both of those, and it's, just, it's yes. adorable hearing yes. hearing Kiba talk. Well, Kiba's the cutest thing. Well, oh, corgis. 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 I mean, I know. had one of those moments today when I was mm. searching through people for my Twitter, and I was uh-huh. like, Kiba, oh, wait, this isn't my Twitter. This is my blog Twitter. I can't be friends with Kiba. Dang. It's like yeah. I just added us on my Twitter, and I'm like, this is... Towing the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's tough. So I just don't. I just don't even look at bleed over on it. It's just if you want to talk to me, you'd better be talking to me as Jenny Koch, because I'm not responding as Jenny Cook. I keep telling we have friends and family who I'll go on about every quarter, right, mm-hmm. and check things. They'll be like, "Hi, how's it going?" And I'm like, "As I told you six months ago, if you <laughs> actually wish to have a correspondence with me via Facebook, do it in the place where I am." Literally, that page is up 24-7 because I talk to my daughter that way. I talk to my crit partner that way. I talk to my assistants that way. Go there. Mm-hmm. I will respond. Coming here, it's just a crapshoot if I'm going to see it or yeah. not. Right. So, right. so, yeah. It, so, it is funny yeah. with the doing that because I've, I've contacted, I don't know how many people through Facebook mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to set up interviews or, or to chat about things. Um, one of my friends, uh, James Owen. Oh, I love James. And uh, I, periodically I go out yard selling and stuff like this, so I'm always picking out the Superman stuff. I turn around and I said one time, I go, James, I, I'd love to get this for you, but it's a phone booth and I just can't put it in the back of the car. <laughs> and they wanted like $1,500 oh for it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But it was, the, it was an old classic uh, 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 wall-mounted one with the, that was a booth. So oh, it wow. actually had so the really swinging was doors. The door. Wow. So it was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Well, James really is Superman. I know everybody thinks he's joking, but he's not. He really no, he is. is Superman. He is. He really is. So um, I was actually re- reading through uh, some Wikipedia stuff. I know that's always not not the best, but <laughs> it's pretty accurate. It's, it's pretty it's pretty accurate, yeah. especially yeah. especially for authors because they yeah. get to go in and actually edit their own stuff too. <laughs> if Wikipedia allows us, which yeah. they don't all the time. That's true. I had a fight. So ah. yeah. no, it wasn't a big fight. But it was just like, no, I'm really this person. You can't possibly be this person. I am this person. <laughs> this is inaccurate. This is you know that kind of thing. Well, so so one, one of the mm-hmm. accolades that I see here uh, is because you were talking about uh, touched by an alien. Yes, it was actually named one of the top ten science fiction fantasy novels of 2010 by Booklist. Yes, it was. How did it uh, How did it feel getting uh, getting that news? You know, it was really wonderful. I um, I have thanked. God, the cosmos, the powers that be, for two things through my whole career. My cover art, which has been amazing, and Diana Tixier Herald, who did the review in Booklist. She gave me a starred review for Touched by an Alien, which put that book into libraries and independent bookstores all over the country. And for years, I was just like, she's so wonderful. She's just the best, and she is. And I got, it was so exciting to get that, especially since Publishers Weekly had trashed that book Um, to the point where people were calling me saying, it's not that bad. And I'm like, anything that starts with derivative is not a compliment. (laughs) Don't even try to tell me that this is anything more than two out of five stars, right? But she gave me um, a star thing and and, the star review. And one of my friends said, readers don't pay attention to Publishers Weekly. Readers pay attention to Booklist. I'm like, yay. Mm -hmm. So to get that was really wonderful. And so a few years go by and I get a fan letter from Diana Tixier Herald because she has just found the re-release of Alexander Outland Space Pirate in mass market and she's read it and she loved it. And I'm, I'm like, I'm practically crying because she's telling me how wonderful she thinks it is. And I'm like, 
my God. And so I'm fangirling back at her. So we spend this like this, like this five, five email back and forth fangirling at each other. But it was really a, really a neat thing. So, yeah, like, you're my hero. She's like, oh, my God. So, but she was really wonderful. So, yeah, so reviews really can, can help you. They can really hurt you. Um, I just want to do a shout-out for every single solitary author out there that isn't one of the giant names everybody knows. I don't care what you as a reader or a consumer think about Amazon. Amazon actually does support its authors very, very well. And one of the ways they do that is that they have algorithms that hit. Once your book or novella or whatever it is that, that's published through them um, or is published there, okay, so it's it just any book that's out there that's somewhere in the Amazon system, 50 reviews or more, you start hitting out Amazon algorithms that start – um, promoting you to other people. And it is a huge, huge thing. There are millions, excuse me, and millions of books out there. And to have Amazon say, oh, you might like this, is a big deal. So if you have a favorite book or you read a book and you liked it, or frankly, even if you didn't, please go take the time, put up your star review, because on Amazon, they don't care what the stars are. You could have ripped this book. You have 50 negative reviews. You're still going to hit the algorithm, which is a great thing. So especially for the authors that you like and you read, and that's also true for music. It's true for anything that's being reviewed. 50 is their minimum start. And then the more you get, the better the algorithm is to you. But 50 is a very big deal. And as I'm just going to beg for all of us, please, 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 everyone really could use this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've actually written, um, I've read a, a short book and a novella, and uh, my novella didn't do very well on Amazon, but the book did kind of decently. There was a short period of time where uh, about two weeks or so, a friend and I were competing. Mm -hmm. We were both, we had both published, and uh, he was getting higher up on the sci-fi list, and then I was kind of like coming down and going up, and then... There was a push, a big push, a push really hard on social networking, and so it skyrocketed yeah. me up on. I think, and I made it up on twelve. Nice. So it wasn't too bad, but then it, you know, because that that list changes so quickly. Every hour. Yeah. yeah. It, it physically. All right, I made it to twelve, and yeah. not even there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then an you're hour like, later. And now I'm at. Th 3,752. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How did that happen? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was only 20 minutes ago. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, how fast the mighty fall. So, mm -hmm. tell us about the Alien series. Um, in the Alien series, my heroine, Kitty, discovers that the Roswell rumors are true, but with a twist. The aliens are here to help us, and as a side benefit, they're all gorgeous. Hey, it's my wow. world. I get to do it like, <laughs> like I want that. it. Yeah. Uh, the female aliens that she nicknames the Dazzlers are sapiosexual, so they're only interested in brains and brain capacity. So to them, the hottest person on the planet is Stephen Hawking. And um, there's a lot of he's-so-dreamy jokes that, that go through there, but that's what they care about, and the men just want you know people to not think they're idiots. Um, they aren't, but... Again, they the the females think that humans have better brains and brain capacity than their own people, and Kitty get in, gets involved to in the fight to protect the planet from all the tremendous amount of things attacking it, and she ends up saving the day using her knowledge of pop culture, comics, hairspray, and rock and roll. So, yeah. I'm and familiar with several of those. Yeah. <laughs> if you so laughed, you're going to laugh at the series. Yes, <laughs> it's it's a funny series. It's a lot of fun. And uh, Kitty, I want to actually also stress, Kitty progresses. 
Um, it's not basically in book two, Alien Tango. I, you know, you have the choice of what am I doing? Is it going to be a bigger, bad, or fugly, or am I changing it around? And I just never wanted to do Iron Man two. And so, you know, that film has some merits, but basically it is a bigger, badder version. Oh, look, there's more Iron Man. You know, it's nothing new. There's nothing new they're facing. It's just more of it. And I didn't want to do that. So the in book two, the threat is, is not external. The threat is humans and what they're doing and, and things like that. So it allows me to bounce around. Um, I'm writing book 16 right now, Aliens Abroad, and they are uh, zipping around through the, the Milky Way. Wow. Unintentionally. <laughs> nah, it wasn't their choice. That's a lot of things like that happen to Kitty. And it is not necessarily her choice. She just ends up being the accidental badass you need. So. <laughs> I like that. That's, yeah. that, that's a good, uh, good way to say it. That works for me. Sounds yeah. like an alien sucky stock house. Uh, in a way, she's human. Kitty's right. human. But yes, yes, mm -hmm. a, very much in, in, in that vein, I think. So. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I should get Charlene's sales. <laughs> should and she's a lovely person by the way I know yeah. I met her yeah. a couple of times yeah. but yeah no yeah she was so sweet I met her at at a at a world fantasy con mm -hmm. and you know introduced and she's like oh I know you you're on your way up I expect nothing but fabulous things and I'm like <laughs> from your mouth to God's ears right <laughs> she's just so precious she is really really genuinely a sweet person I met her at a con so uh -huh. we'll yeah. go into what kind of cons have you been at in this area um I do a lot um gosh my first con as a published author was San Diego Comic Con oh yeah the Every, big you know it's so funny everybody's <laughs> like oh the my gosh how did you handle it you know in front of all those people well, it depends um, on how long ago, because... Yeah, that's true. No, it was 2010. It was still gigantic. Oh, yeah. we, okay. There were 250,000 people on the inside. Okay. Not not for my panel, I wish. But <laughs> still, it was a very packed room. And people were all like, oh, my goodness, how did you handle this? You were so poised. It's like, I used to work in corporate America, where I had to... I created a system I had to train people on in big groups, including upper management. So... People who were excited to be there about books we'd written was not scary <laughs> at all. It was just fun. So I went from San Diego Comic-Con, and then the next con I was invited to was CopperCon, which is a local con here. And so I went from this gigantic, biggest con in the world down to something very small and intimate. And it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of authors there that have become really good friends of mine. So they're like almost anybody I met at that con, we're still tight. Uh, Weston Oaks, Yvonne Navarro, Marshila Rockwell, Terry Smith, Lynn Crane. Uh, I'm probably forgetting people. But all of those authors are people that I am still really close to. So it was really, it was a wonderful con. We had a lot of fun. Um, had some fans come from, you know, different states, and that was really neat, too. So that was good. And then I've also done Leprechauns this, um, this past 4th of July. I was the local author, guest of honor for Westercon, which was out here, which was fun. And um, actually, it was it was and it was a lot of fun. It was really neat. I got to you know be there with Connie Willis, who was the author guest of honor, and a whole bunch of other people. And we had a really it was a really good time. Really, it was at Tempe Mission Palms, which is always a really nice place yeah. to do a con. I'm like, yeah, if you could be there for a con, do it because <laughs> it is so nice. I've been. To, I did the Discworld Con was there when it came out um, several years ago now. And I'd done a couple of Fiesta Con, which was in, I think, was like 2009, which so I wasn't published yet, but I was, I had a contract, 
And I that was the first the first, oh, maybe I should go to a fan con and see what they're like. And it dawned on me maybe I should before I was actually up there. So that was my first con ever. Um, and then Phoenix Comic Con, which is I love them all. All of them have have pros and cons, but Phoenix is probably my favorite because it's got the size, so you can get really great media guests. You can get all this stuff, and there's lots of people and lots of attendees. They bring in a bunch of authors and everything else, but it's still small enough that if you want to actually interact with people, you can. Uh, yep. So I like I I like it a lot. Um, it's it's a really good con. I think it's a really good value. So that's. If I have to pick a favorite, currently Phoenix is my favorite. Um, did Jambalaya Khan in, in Huma, which is about an hour outside of uh, uh, New Orleans a few years ago, and that was awesome. Um, it was a really fun con, and it, but it was just more that we got to be in Louisiana and <laughs> do all this cool stuff. It's like, wow, this is, uh, I want to do more of these. This, that's, this was the best. That, that, that's but, bucket list for me to go to, to go to Louisiana, uh, New Orleans. Oh, you'll love it. We're actually going there uh, for vacation. The first vacation my husband and I have had for years. We are going there over Labor Day. Nice. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Oh, yeah. No, I've been there several times. He never has, and it is so worth it. I love Nola. Yeah, Dragon Con over in mm-hmm. Georgia is on our list. <laughs> I haven't gone there well, five times in a row. <laughs> I will probably be there because, uh, well, <laughs> yes and no. Um, remember how I mentioned Corporate America? Well, my right. husband still works for Corporate America, mm-hmm. and we are being moved to Atlanta. Oh. And we'll oh. be gone before the end of this year. Hit so. me up. I will yeah. tell you the do's and don'ts of Atlanta. Awesome. <laughs> I, awesome. I'm a transvert from Atlanta. Oh, awesome. Great. Well, yeah. we yes, we have to talk. That's because, actually Dragon yeah. Con's where I met um, Harris and uh, Terry Brooks has been at Dragon yeah. Con. Yeah. There's fabulous authors to get to meet. Um, yeah. Well, James Ray Tuck Jr., who is also an author, mm-hmm. is a really good friend of mine, and he's out there, so he's already like, oh, I've got you covered. I'm like, right. I know. Yeah. Technically, my family is also from Georgia. So. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, there you go. And okay. uh, I took uh, my advanced training in the, the Army in Augusta, Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hated it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really I'm dreading the humidity. Oh. Dr- I like dry heat. I like it here, but... You, yeah, my first week here, I was doing dishes in the sink, and mm-hmm. I got wet, and, I, and like my pants got soaked, and I was yeah. like, "Well, I guess I'm wet today." And, and like five minutes later, I was screaming at my fiance, "Get in here! Look at this!" And he's yeah. like, "What?" And I'm like, "I was soaked a minute ago." And he goes, <laughs> "Totally dry now." You're, right? Okay, I don't see. I'm like, "I'm dry." And he's yeah. like. Oh, okay. I guess that is a thing. It is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. God, I, I'm going to miss that the most. Yeah. I'm just going to say that right yeah. now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 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 a Phoenix boy, born and raised, so uh, I, I don't I don't have that experience. I, I don't want to leave. We're originally from Southern California, and I was uh, really wait wait. I was happy to move from LA because LA was too cold. Right. Okay. So oh. I like heat and I like <laughs> deserts. And, try oh. yeah. Try and, this. Mm-hmm. Born in Southern California, uh-huh. I was born on uh, Oceanside. Uh, on the Marine Base. Oh, okay. Camp Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved up to uh, Seattle for about two years, mm-hmm. and when I was still like an infant, and then Nova Scotia, Canada, where I spent most of my years as a youth, 
uh, most of my education was up in Canada, and then down here for the last 30 some odd years. Wow, that's an interesting track. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish you luck this winter. <laughs> thank you. Well, it, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and hope there's no ice storms. Yes, which are us too. Since we, oh, great. No one mentioned those. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, actually, there's a running joke with Northeastern uh, U.S. against mm-hmm. the South because oh. we don't know how to drive in snow. Right. They call it a snowstorm. It's really just an ice storm because the moment the sun comes, comes out, it all ices. of it yeah. melts, and then it refreezes when it goes down. Gosh, so I can't wait. black ice everywhere. Mm. Can't wait. But really. back on top. I'm never leaving my house. Ever, <laughs> Probably ever, not. Ever, ever. Big, big basement, lots of shelves. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Keep stacking. <laughs> at least we have basements, that's yeah. true. Um, back not on, every house does out yeah. there. As I, I've looked at over like 600 houses, it's just been, because on online, because mm-hmm. I can't go mm-hmm, out there mm-hmm. until next month. Um, to start looking right. and uh, yeah, so not every house has a basement. Some are on not slab. Every. Yep, some of them are. Yeah. So, what kind of um, panels have you run? Because you or were involved in? Oh when gosh, you're at cons. everything. Um, I've done. <laughs> <laughs> they probably kept you busy. <laughs> they do. I prefer to be busy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know. <laughs> Don't really let me be bored. It's a dangerous thing for everyone. What's your favorite panel that you've been on? Well, I've been on everything from the religious panels to Christianity and science Mm -hmm. fiction all the way to I run the evening erotica panel. Okay. So, um, which is more, really, we play the euphemism game more than anything else. So, (laughs) I'm hoping to take that to Dragon Con. I'm really hoping they'll be open to it. There's some of those, Yeah. So, um, So, I really love that one. But every panel has something. Uh, It depends on, you know, it depends on... Your panelists change what you're talking about. Your moderator changes what you're talking about. Your audience changes what you're talking about. So really, well, I've been on a couple panels where the only reason I did not murder the other guy who was supposedly our moderator was that there were witnesses. (laughs) (laughs) But... He's the only person I've ever, I walked out and said, I will never, ever do anything with him again. Oh, ever. Wow. And that was and, the local? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, not, it's not a name author or anybody like that. It was not an author, okay? It's just somebody who is incredibly misogynistic. And, mm-hmm. I mean, like, to the point where even people that were borderline misogynistic <laughs> in the audience were like, what is wrong with this yeah. guy? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, no. But, but for the most part, they're always, it's always interesting. It's always fun. Uh, you get to, sometimes you get to learn something you know you didn't know from somebody else on the panel or mm-hmm. somebody in the audience. So I really I really enjoy doing them. I really other than this one time I can't think of a panel that I right. think was so awful I'd never want to do it again. And I, it's hard to pick a favorite because each one's different. There was a con not too long ago that you did do a panel and I think I actually sat in on it mm-hmm. and uh, I don't remember which con it was. It was one of the smaller ones. Um, I think it might have been at uh, Mesa Commun- at the Mesa Convention Center. Okay, so that was a couple of years ago. That was a Comic Comedia Expo. Was that the one Com- you're thinking? Uh, com- uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well. I don't think it was that. Anyway, it, the, it was, the panels were not the 
biggest uh, attractions. Right. And almost every panel I went in to sit in, you know, if you had more than five people in there, you were you were awesomely it's rocking. Really sounding like <laughs> Comic Media Expo that was here. That was in Mesa. It was just a, like two or three years ago. Well, we've only yeah, well, yeah maybe it was. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Time is flying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was kind of interesting because, as I said, that there was virtually nobody in the panel rooms, and mm-hmm. there was times that I'm thinking. Well, that'd be kind of embarrassing if you were the person doing the panel room. But then at the same time, I remember when we did um, uh, an interview last year with uh, uh, Darren DePaul, mm-hmm. uh, voiceover actor. It was He was doing this uh, autograph thing, and he just had the table laid out, and he was doing it. And then Jared just kind of like said, well, cool, can you do an interview with you after this is done? Mm-hmm. And it turned out to where it got so quiet in the thing, we just... Let's yeah, do the just, interview just now. Started. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it it was kind of interesting because we had a bunch of people that were fans of his. It, it was mm-hmm. an interview with an audience. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it was actually really cool. So it was a, an interesting thing like that, but it does give you the opportunity to be really really close up and get into uh, what the person's saying. I think the best way of describing because it, it does happen. I mean, everybody you have something nobody shows up. You have something where it's just you. Um, or you and your fellow panelists, and there's you know nobody in the audience. So there's two people in the audience, and if there's one person in the audience, you're still rolling your panel. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but my favorite story of this is, and it's kind of a two-parter. Um, one of our local artists, Gilead, who's one of my favorite artists. I just think his stuff is amazing. I have many of them. He's a friend. <laughs> yes, Gilead is wonderful, and I am. I was whining. <laughs> to him and Stellar, his wife, about how, um, you know, in the local comments, like, why did you bring in my a local chapter that I was involved in had brought in somebody who literally knew nothing about their topic where I was an expert on it, marketing. That's my career prior to, to, to becoming a full-time author. 25-plus year career in marketing and advertising. I'm sitting right here. Why did you hire somebody, bring in somebody and pay them money who has a year of experience and does not know what they're talking about? And they're like, oh, it's just because you're local. And they know you, so you don't have any, you don't have the same mystique. I'm like, eh. He's like, oh, no, let me tell you a story. So we're at San Diego Comic Con, and we have a booth at this time. And we've been very busy, and it's quiet, and we have decided, you know what, we're going to shut down for a couple hours, take a break. And we go, you know what, Michael Stackpole's here. Let's go see old Mike. He couldn't possibly have too many people around, right? So he says, so they're walking through, and there's this gigantic line, and it's wrapping and wrapping. And they're like, well, we have to see who this popular person is, and it's for Michael Stackpole. He has a line of like a 1,000 people waiting for him, and he's signing and, you know, doing the author thing, right? And... And, and Gilly said, so I looked at, at my wife and I said, oh, we'll wait and talk to him back home where he's no one. <laughs> I, so he's like, so you have to understand that's how it is. And, and it really was true. When I went out to um, Worldcon when it was in San Antonio um, a few years back, I was signing with, at the same time as Jay Lake. May he rest in peace. But he was still with us then. And I was shocked out of my mind. I had a line double J's. And I was just so excited that my agent and my editor both got to see that. <laughs> Look, I have a longer line than Jay Lake. <laughs> um, and Jay was really nice and, you know, gave me, it was really nice to get to talk to him um, and, and see him before, 
before he passed away. But it was because I had never been to a Worldcon and I've never had never done anything in Texas. So people were like, "This is our opportunity," and racing in versus. Right now, people think they can see me anytime they turn around in Phoenix, which you can right up until we move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is going to be a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I guess we're lucky. Of... We got you the inter- we got yeah. the interview. You have probably have one of my last po- local podcast interviews in person. Yeah, that's, yeah. And with so. them, we're going to be very lucky. Yeah, well, thank you. We appreciate thank it. You. Well, that's okay. That, that that just means next time you come out to Phoenix Comic Con, you're just going to have that line that wraps around the there entire you go. convention. Oh, I hope yeah. so. I hope so. That I don't necessarily count on, but it was it was exciting. My line didn't wrap like Michael's. I just want to be, be. It was just it was big. It was very exciting. So, like I said, my whole comparison was I have more people than Jay Lake. That was my entire comparison, but it was exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're actually going to take a uh, take a quick break. Okay. We're come back. We're going to get a little bit more into uh, the geeky, nerdy stuff that uh, that we like to talk about in the uh, in the show. Sounds so. cool. All right, so uh, we will be right back. Clever Art Studios has 15 years of experience with clients like NASA, the Arizona State Museum, Discovery Channel, Science Channel, and the National Geographic Television. She has skills in animation and illustration. You can find her at Facebook and LinkedIn. And she has her own website, www.cleverartstudio.com. And we are back. Again, we are with Miss Jeannie Koch. That's right. Um, so as I promised, we were going to go ahead and get into like the other nerdy stuff. Cool, and, cool, cool. Uh, we be nerdy. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, I like being among my people. That, that, that kind of segues into what I was just about to talk about. Uh-oh. Because uh, you actually sounded like Roadhog from the, uh, from the game Overwatch, yes. who we actually met. At Game On Expo this uh, last weekend, you did. To be specific. I did. I did, I did to be specific. To um, <laughs> but yeah, we got to talk to uh, talk to a couple of uh, Overwatch voiceover actors, which we'll go ahead and uh, play the interviews here uh, at the end of the show. Um, but video game wise, I mean, do you do you play any video games? Um, kind of yes, kind of no. Um, most there, there's two two on the no. It takes up a lot of time, and mm-hmm. I'm on a lot of deadlines, so it's hard for me to do it. But um, big shout out to Sonic Spinball. Back when we had a Sega Genesis, I was like, I could take all comers on that. So I really <laughs> love pinball, and I like pinball games. So that was good. And then there was a more one of the, one of the many Mortal Kombat's. You could make your own characters, and I made them based on characters in my books. <laughs> and cool. I was just kicking butt. My husband, it's like he couldn't possibly win. Beyond that, I actually really enjoy kibitzing. I like watching when he plays. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that we got, in fact, I, I like Skyrim. I can't mm-hmm. con- manage the controls. Thank you. Okay. I'm not the only okay. one. Okay, you know how the first little scene, you're supposed to, like, escape the dragon? And you get yeah. stuck in a corner. I Yes, Thank and you. I died oh. over and over. I couldn't do it anymore. Then you just yeah. watch because you get too frustrated. Yeah, so, oh, yes. but what we did is he printed out the, I hate if we miss treasure, I hate if we miss side quests. <laughs> so he printed out whatever it was supposed to do, and I we were, like, doing all this stuff. And it got to the point where we'd finish something and be like, we're playing Skyrim now. And he finally said, we have to stop. You're not writing. 
All you're doing <laughs> is waiting for me to be done so we can play Skyrim. This cannot happen. You're, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the reason you're so late. So I look mm-hmm. forward to getting back to Skyrim when, you know, I have a little time, which will be, oh, maybe 2020, but I'm not counting on right. it. So, right so yeah. Windows 7 is all expired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I, I, um, I, like everybody else, I play a lot of games on my phone, but most of them are not, um, not the fun video games. I try yeah. not to get into anything that is going to require so much time and focus that if I turn it off, it's going to make it hard for me to turn it off because mm-hmm. really they're just there to give me something to occupy my mind while I'm working on a plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I really I love watching him play. He's replaying Baldur's Gate. And the only reason I'm not watching it is I've watched him go through it five times, so I can miss this one. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I like it when he plays the fighting games because I can pay attention to the cutscenes and then otherwise not. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the one Um, in the one where it's the dark version of Superman? In Injustice. Oh, Injustice. Injustice. Oh my God, that was good. They're coming when, out with the second one. Now. Well, it, it's yeah. it's it's already out. Oh, um, yeah. They actually they actually just released uh, the uh, uh, a couple of new characters that that they're uh, DLC. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. That yeah, was uh, Hell Hellboy, uh, Black Manta, and Raiden from Raiden. the Mortal Ooh. Kombat series. Ooh. So yeah, that's it's it's still a great game, and I love that they're because it's it the people who who put out Mortal Kombat are the yeah. same ones that are doing Injustice, and, which is why it's good. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love the fact that they brought in Sub Zero. They have yeah. Raiden. Yeah, there's there's speculation that um, that Scorpion might be in the mix Ooh. sometime soon. Well, hold on one second. I thought Hellboy was a Marvel Hell, name. Hellboy is a Marvel property. Um, they just paid for it. They, yeah, they 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 just paid for it. Yeah, they, huh. here's some they, money. They, give me your character. Yeah. yeah, I wish they would read. They would bring back some Hellboy because I felt like the movies just weren't enough. I loved oh, the no, movies. I agree. Oh yeah. I well, then you movies. might like the remake that they're doing. Oh, tell <laughs> us about that since well, I, I have no knowledge. No, I, I don't. I don't know a whole lot about it. I just recently saw that there was an article. They are rebooting uh, Hellboy, uh, and I believe. Um, the main character of Hellboy is being played by uh, uh, Stranger Things, David. Uh, oh, uh, Herber, Heber. Yeah, Herber, Herber, yeah. Herber, Herber. Um, I believe he's going to be the one that's playing Hellboy. Does he have a good voice? Because if he doesn't have a Ron Perlman voice, it's just not going to work. <laughs> I, 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 he I, does, think he, I think. I think yeah. he can do it. Okay. I think he can okay. do it. Okay. His, his natural speaking voice isn't isn't there, but I think he has enough. Acting ability and actually uh, the 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 voice work to be able to do it. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. So I'll be interested to see how that turns out. But yeah. that, I just recently heard that they were going to be I, doing that. Why does it need a reboot? I mean, Ron Perlman in makeup can still handle. He doesn't want to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's done. Dash. Yeah. It's, it's he just was like, so good at that. Well, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like Daniel Craig for Bond. He yeah. didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And he said for the last couple of years, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then someone finally turned around and said... Here's they, a whole stack of money. Someone so said they yeah. physically even offered him like $100 million to do it. Yeah. He still said no. Yeah. But evidently, he just... Um, uh, approved it, and he's yeah, going to do the next one. Million. It might take the right script, but I can understand with yeah. Ron um, getting that much makeup on is probably it is at tiring. This time I would think. Yeah. Well, look at like Jones. Uh, was it not David Jones? Um, the guy oh, that did oh, oh, oh! Um, um, mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about he played Davy Jones. 
right? Yeah. 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 In Pirates of the Caribbean. That's no, actually, no. I was okay. thinking about the guy that played, uh, he played in uh, Hellboy. He always oh, plays. Oh, the fish. oh yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh God, I just fish. read an interview um, with him. And, and he yeah. always plays a costume character. Yeah. Matter of fact, he, he's going to be in the Orville. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he's playing another character where yeah. you can't tell who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I know it's, what you mean. Well, that and the um, woman who was playing. Um, Selma Blair? Blue makeup in X Men, the no. first one. Oh, oh um, yeah. The the makeup made her physically Rebecca ill. Rebecca Romijn Stamis. Yeah. yeah. And she was throwing yeah. up blue yeah. when they went to go drinking one night. And uh, Hugh Jackman's like, you need to go home. <laughs> oh my I don't God, think yeah. so. And yeah. she stopped. She was like, I'm not blue. doing it again. X Men. In, in the X-Men. original X Men, Rebecca Romijn mm-hmm. Stamos she played oh, a Mystique. Original. Oh, yeah, yeah, the original. And okay. the Mystique yeah. made Because I knew Jennifer Lawrence played it in the sequel. Yeah, so but I, 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 I would hope they got a less the, toxic. Yeah, they got, they got a different paint job for <laughs> yeah. her. Wow. Yeah. But. Um, anyway. So, so speaking of movies, I mean, uh-huh. I, I know your your books are based a lot in the the fantasy realm. Would, no, science fiction, for, for more sci- science fiction, fiction yeah. more sci-fi, more, yeah. more sci-fi. Would would you like to see your stories on the big screen? Um, yes. Wouldn't we all <laughs> I mean, I mean, like that golden yeah. ticket? I honestly feel like they'd be better these days. I feel like they'd be better served on um, the CW mm-hmm. or sci-fi. Um, it need. I, I feel like each book would be better done as a season, mm-hmm. even if it's only ten or twelve episodes, eight, whatever it would take. Game of I, Thrones, here we come. Yeah, <laughs> or like the Expanse. Yeah, yeah you mm-hmm. know, I mean, like a True Blood and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just feel like you, you, you know, I'm on book sixteen. I'm contracted through twenty right now. That's a long running show. Oh yeah, yeah it is. You know, but you could even if maybe books one and two are a season. You know, mm-hmm. I just feel like you're gonna lose a lot. Mm-hmm. But. If they do get to the big screen, Michael Bay, I am your woman. (laughs) Michael Bay knows how to blow things up real good. And I have to say, after watching the travesty that was Green Hornet, where everything blew up, and it's that's one of the that's the worst big budget movie I think I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, just horrible. Nothing, nothing likable about any of it. And I watched that, and I said, anyone who says that Michael Bay isn't an artist needs to be force fed this movie, and then watch <laughs> anything by Michael Bay and see the cinematic beauty of his explosions. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff that blows up. <laughs> and um, and lots of things like that, and lots of CGI like the Transformers movies would need. So, in my mind, if I'm going big screen, I, James Cameron is never going to do it. Okay, he's yeah. only going to do his own stuff. I need Michael Bay. I need somebody mm-hmm. who can actually see that. Uh, I would have said Rennie Harlan a long time ago, but Rennie can't. I love his direction. Actually, I think he directs women really, really well. But he's apparently either blacklisted or just has not hit well enough to have anybody do anything but michael bay can still churn him out baby and he would be my dream director on the screen and that horrifies a lot of people (laughs) i will stand by that i think he could do a fantastic job with them otherwise the cw all my people are pretty (laughs) <laughs> even the ugly pretty people you can make kind of pretty mm-hmm. um, so, well not the monsters with the CGI but yeah. that's okay by contrast mm-hmm. so I, I really do feel like I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm I, this occurred I don't know somewhere in I'm probably writing book 10 by the time we look over and go this 
I fit on the CW. I really do. I really okay. do. So um, I would love love to see that. But who, who, that who, you don't have any control. Who who do you think uh, would would friend. play uh, Katie? Kitty. 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 Um, that varies. And here's the answer for. There's a business answer, and then there's the ooh, what? Who would I like? The business answer is whoever can open this movie and make sure it has legs. That's who I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember Marty Feldman, yes. but if Marty Feldman is ch- is the person that yeah, they said, you know what, we make him the romantic lead. This movie makes m- fortune and it, it plays for 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 the next five years. Marty Feldman, it is is Martini. Okay. Um, in reality, of course, you know it, it, that is what happens. It's who's mm-hmm. going to have it, who has has the the thing in the legs. But I wrote this book in two thousand and seven, okay, um, mm-hmm. because publishing is slow. So I wrote it in two thousand and seven. I got signed by my agent at the end of two thousand and seven. We had a six two book deal from Daw six months later in two thousand and eight. But Touchman Alien didn't come out until April twenty ten. So who I saw in two thousand and seven playing Kitty was Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, she has the comedic timing. She has the right figure. She can do action and humor. Drew, even though I swear I don't know who she's paid off because uh, she doesn't look like she's had any work and she doesn't look like she's aged a day. Mm-hmm. But Drew, we all know she's too old. So Drew is too old. Kitty is 27 in the first book. So it can't be somebody ancient. So my next choice would probably be Emma Stone because she (laughs) can also do action and comedy. It needs to be someone who can do action and comedy. Um, And also is not, you can't be the most beautiful person on the screen because you're standing next to the dazzlers who have to look a little bit better than you, Mm -hmm. even though Kitty is also actually not ugly. Kitty sees herself as basically fairly average. I'm all right, you know, fairly Mm -hmm. average when Mm -hmm. she's actually, she's hot. But she doesn't see herself that way. Mm -hmm. So she sees herself as fairly average. And especially when you're standing, you know, next to the planet of of the beautiful people, you don't feel very good looking. Um, But so it needs to be somebody who you could see as as why men would find her hot, why women would like her, and who can do action and comedy. Right. So I I, I can see that. So I have a strange question, and I apologize if I make it sound like it's an insult, but have you had somebody compare the Dazzlers to the Twilight sparkly vampires? No, nobody. I have no comparisons to Twilight. I'm not going to diss Twilight either. I think um, I I find the people dissing um, that I, I don't like the true fan viewpoint. Right. I really think it's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. I think it's exclusive. It's exclusive, and I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. If you love something passionately enough that falls anywhere in our general area, you should be included, not treated like dirt just because the rest of us have somehow decided we don't like that. What Stephanie Meyer created, uh, millions of people loved. Okay, right. she did something that I didn't think I was going to see happen again for a really long time. She had teenagers, boys and girls, carrying books into school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, why? Because your electronics have to go sit down, but you can bring a book Mm -hmm. into class. She created a generation of readers. We should be freaking grateful, not insulting. Right. Okay. right. No. So, yeah. so no, but no, I don't have any comparison to that. Um, what I did, I do the comparison myself. Uh, Kitty makes a men in black joke. Oh, like, okay. Like within the yeah. 
first or second chapter mm-hmm. of the book. And um, really, my editor described the series as Men in Black meets True Lies. And I would mm-hmm. say throw Miss Congeniality in there, too. And you've pretty much got the mix awesome. of, of that. that. So, right. yeah. That is yeah. definitely an interesting amalgam. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to have Stephanie Sales. I'd love to have right. a Sparkle oh, Vampire course. Sales. You know what? Well, should, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. mean it like that. I meant like um, the characters. Like how somebody turned around mm. and said, well, you made aliens pretty as opposed to when they're supposed to be not. Or something like that. Uh, I'm or sure people have miraculously. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard it. I okay, mean, there's no, always okay. a hater somewhere. I'm not <laughs> yeah, I, honestly. I don't think my series is popular enough to get the big haters like oh, Stephanie's. Okay. You have to be. You actually have to be breaking um, certain sales records for mm-hmm. people to like that to notice, and mm-hmm. then to decide you aren't correct. I have sadly not broken those sales barriers yet. I would love to to anyone who's listening. <laughs> Please feel free to go buy all the I have found it interesting books. enough though that uh, once you get to that point where you break over a certain amount, you will get those haters. Oh yeah. Um, I mean Twilight it broke sales, you know, and mm-hmm. they did extremely well. I loved all the movies, Yeah. but uh, it's amazing where there's just a, a group of people after a while just going, oh, that's movie suck. Well, it's movie because sucks. they're successful. It's, yeah. We we have a tendency, there's always someone who wants to tear down somebody who's oh, yeah. more successful mm-hmm. instead of saying, hey, that's wonderful, good for them. Mm-hmm. It's always, uh, you know, the hate, hater's going to hate. And I, I can only speak to my personal experience with those books like what you just said, J.K. Rowling was what made mm-hmm. me read. I had a lot of issues growing up with being able to read, and then all of a sudden it clicked, and then I was in the Harry Potter series right. before my peers. So then I picked up Twilight, and when I put it down and I went into adult romance, I picked up Twilight again, and I my ability to read, my ability to personally write was such mm-hmm. at a level that I could see what was going on mm-hmm. with everyone else hating on it. And then when you pick up her host, it's like, oh, she got some writing teaching classes and it's just, it's just experience big but it's you don't a, some really, of it's just writing experience oh, yeah. i mean you know most of us the first thing you ever wrote is probably not the best thing you've ever done oh, of course um and she just happened to have written the first thing she ever wrote was damned well good enough to get an agent mm-hmm. who said i can't put this down taking it you know who wants it mm-hmm. so you know she did everything right and most people who get that famous their first book isn't out there any by the time they get that famous so right, yeah. just turning around and trashing her completely it's like okay well she let's look at her as a person she it's all jealousy now all of a sudden in she my has viewpoint the it's all to, jealousy yeah, yeah when it's you're when you're sitting there being rated as one of the most um uh, uh most successful <laughs> successful rich <laughs> yeah uh, however you want to put it and she's one of the top in the uk yeah. Um, you know, when you get to that point where you can spend your money your way, any way you want, um, y- you know, at our level, we're looking at it going, I, I, I get upset when someone says, oh, I didn't like your book or I didn't like that. Yeah. This was like, I'm like, okay, so that upsets me. You know, she's at the point right now as is like, I got a lot of dollar signs you know, here that, <laughs> you know, says, that says I must be doing something right. It still hurts. I, oh, I yeah. will tell you, it mm-hmm. still hurts because it's something you've created. However, you know, the people that say, oh, my book is my baby. No, no, I have a baby. She just turned 27. And, you know, in, insult her to me at your dire peril. Oh. But you want to insult my book? Whatever. It's mm-hmm. not your cuppa. I accept that if you're creating art, you're immediately open to criticism, and all all the arts are open to critique. Movies, mm-hmm. music, yeah. TV, books, dance, any form of performance, etc. Art, painting, anything 
is open to critique and not no one is everybody's cuppa. The most popular book in the world has a lot of haters in it. Okay, the Bible would be number one seller, okay, and followed probably very closely by the Quran and other other religious texts. You don't find out everybody loving those. So if you can't do it with that, you're not going to do it with anything else. You just have to accept that the people that like your stuff like your stuff and try to ignore the haters, which sounds so mature, doesn't it? Um, but I'm sure you do what I do with, when you see a really particularly bad one or someone's particularly nasty. You contact your friends, your you know other friends you can relate to, and they all discuss how stupid this person is, how they clearly have no taste, and how they're the most evil person on the planet, and how you, you are the best. And then you, <laughs> you move on. Now once you get the validation from your friends, and mm. then you move on because it's the only way to handle it and, and keep writing and, and keep saying yeah yeah that's uh, probably why i quit st- I quit writing <laughs> <laughs> i'm like okay i've had that one too many yeah. <laughs> and i stopped and it was bad it, it was it was uh, i think it hit me harder because it was a friend that oh dude oh. <laughs> oh dude no and no no, no. Then anonymous oh no 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 my i had friends my first my first published stuff after that short story mm-hmm. then the first things i i had sold was i sold a couple of i sold three uh humorous short pieces to flymf.com and i sold a humorous poem to absolute right and I had some friends read them, and one of them said, well, it didn't make me laugh, but she must really have a friend of that editor, eh? <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, that was the compliment. So I'm used to this from my fam- friends and family. Anonymous strangers, it's a little more hurtful. I'm, I'm just used to my friends and family feeling that if mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, a grade-A stellar, it's just not up to my good work. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, no. People are amazing in what they're willing to tell you oh, how yeah. bad they think something of your mm-hmm. stank. So back to the geek. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so, of course, everybody loves social media and whatnot. Yeah. Where can we find you? I am on Facebook as Ginny G I N I K O C H. There is no underscore, and I want to stress that. So it's Ginny Koch put together. There is another Ginny Koch, and she is in Germany. And she is totally cool. And I'm on Twitter, same thing, at Ginny Koch, no underscore. And um, when I was on both of those before her, and I was worried when I saw her come up, it's like, oh, you know, she's going to get people who are looking for me. And if she's horrible, she's not. She's awesome. She is so much fun. We we talk back and forth. And, <laughs> and she likes a lot of the same things I like. So it's really easy to mix us up because mm-hmm. she's talking about animals and, you know, space and racer car, race cars, and, you know, all this other mm-hmm. different stuff. And I like a lot of these things. We, you know, all, all, the, all these things. So I'm like, if, if this other person speaks German fluently, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I only speak one language in sarcasm fluently. That's good. So yeah. So and then uh, I supposedly have an Instagram. Don't don't run it. I have a Pinterest page, however. And if you'd like to see, back to your question of who do I see starring, I have my Pinterest page. Uh, I have a see the characters page where you can go and see everybody I currently view for various roles in all of my things. Nice. So so all the series, all the books, things like that. I haven't I haven't caught up to like the smaller stuff. But uh, in, I haven't caught up. The Alien series has a cast of, by now, over 500 named characters. Oh, 
Yeah, so I don't have all 500 right. of them up on Pinterest, but, you know, just, as... Just the main ones. Just just the main hundred-ish, you know. <laughs> wow. 120, and, yeah, uh, give and or take. where can we find the books? Uh, they are in all bookstores, and so um, I'm uh, traditionally a Barnes & Noble bestseller, so you should be able to find the entire Alien series in almost any Barnes & Noble in the country, or in libraries. Um, and obviously, all the usual suspects in terms of e Amazon, um, BarnesandNoble.com, uh, Create Space, uh, Smashwords, so on, so so on and so forth. So pretty much everywhere. And if you're having trouble finding something, go to my website, which is www.jennycotch.com, and you can go to my bibliography page, which is off my bookstore, and find everything. We're a little behind, but. Most most of it's up there. Oh, and good. your publishing house is Random Penguin. Uh, it, we we begged for the Random Penguin rename, and no, they said it's Penguin Random House. I'm with Daw, which is one of their imprints. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we want to, of course, say thank you again for joining us and having some uh, having some fun with us. Thank you so much for having me. So, it was a great time. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, do you have any uh, conventions that are coming up? Uh, no, mostly yeah. because the, the that move. move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what my next ones are going to be. I am hoping to be at Dragon Con uh, in 2018. Mm-hmm. I am hoping to be coming back to Phoenix Comic Con in 2018. I should be at San Diego Comic Con in 2018. Awesome. So um, those uh, San Diego is the only one that's probably really I could say you know basically a hundred percent. Uh, the other two are just, I think that's going to happen. <laughs> okay. Hey, that, that, that's always fair. But, yeah. All right. Well, once again, thank you. And uh, we're going to go ahead and close out the, uh, the studio show. Yeah. Because uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, play the interview with uh, Anjali Bamini, uh, J- uh, Josh Petersdorf, and, of course, Carolina Ravasa, the voice actors of uh, Roadhog, uh, Symmetra and Sombra. Sombra from Overwatch. So from all of us here in the studio, we'll catch you next time. Be safe. <laughs> Bye. Be, safe. Be true. <laughs> Hey everybody, Ed Vanderley here, the host of 1980-something. Do you love the 80s? Did you live through the 80s? Do you miss the 80s? Every week we celebrate the decade of decadence right here on Star Worldwide Network with 1980-something. We take you back in time. We talk about music, movies, TV, fashion, the games, whatever comes to mind. So join me here each week on 1980-something on Star Worldwide Networks. That's the fact, Jeff! That's the fact, Jeff! You're listening to Star Worldwide Networks, where you can host your own radio show. If you're looking for a way to get out your message, welcome to the future. Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks offers you the opportunity to use our state-of-the-art studio to create your very own radio show. Our experienced and helpful production staff will help you every step of the way. Our free mobile app allows your listeners to take your show with them and play it live or on demand. Even if you're not in Arizona, we've got you covered with Skype technology so you can broadcast from anywhere in the world. 
Whether you're in it to grow your business, make a statement, deliver a message, or just have fun hosting your own show, Star Worldwide Networks can make it happen. Star Worldwide Networks, where you are the star. For more information, just visit us at StarWorldWideNetworks.com. All right, this is Jared with Con Air Radio, and I'm actually here on the uh, on the floor of Game On Expo 2017, and uh, I'm actually sitting here with Josh, the One Man Apocalypse Road Hog. That's right. Better? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks How? for uh, stopping by. Oh yeah. What's up? How's uh, how's Game On treating you? Game On has been great. I love real small, intimate cons like this. Yeah. I like I, it because you can personally connect a little bit better with people. I'll tell you what, the people who come out for these things are more dedicated. I agree. And they're the hardcore fans that we know and love. And that's who I really thrive with because I'm a hardcore fan. Oh, yeah. Got to love it. So I, I got to tell you, one of my favorite characters, Roadhog from the, from the Overwatch Thank series. Thank you very much. Uh, only, and I have to say this because we had him on the show last year. Yeah. Uh, Darren. J- Darren DePaul. Big Reinhardt. Yes, oh, Big, big Reinhardt. He, he's my main defense guy. Of course. But Roadhog is my secondary. Got it. Anytime I can't get it done with Reinhardt, I get it done with, 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 with Roadhog. Awesome. So, um... So what, what kind of got you into the whole voice acting thing? You know, I was always a theater kid. So when I was young, I was winning speech contests in the school district from like fifth to like eighth grade. Speaking in front of large audiences was always my thing. It was like the bigger the people, the more comfortable I was. And then I went through high school and I stopped doing theater. And then as I finished out and kind of left college, I missed it. I have a 10-year-old son. So when he was born, my life, I had to get a little bit more responsible mm-hmm. and had to go back to like the working force. So I worked for a couple years, but I was still behind the mic making music, involved in recording, involved in studio mixing and engineering, involved in the technical aspect of it. One thing led to another when me and my son's mother split up. She wanted to move out to Idaho, where her brother was, to be closer to some family. So I was like, okay, kind of left me in California. Uh, and I was like, well, what are my options now? And, you know, so I could re-gauge everything, and I decided to move down to L.A. about seven years ago. I had a friend who was like, hey, should come audition over here, meet this voice casting uh, woman named Michaela Stepanovich, who's Michaela Hicks now, who turned out to be my agent later. Take her class. One thing led to another. Two years later, she signed me. A year after that, the Overwatch audition came through, and three years later, here we are. It's crazy, so, right? I know. That, that is pretty crazy. Um, so, so what was your inspiration behind the voice for, for Roadhog? Um, I really liked... Well, I was grew up on Frank Welker. Mm-hmm. So he was always in my mind. His big character voices is Megatron. And I do Megatron and Optimus Prime at Universal Studios Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So when I did Roadhog, I brought a lot of that Megatron dark to him. That grit in the voice. That gravelly gravitas that... You know, mixed with a little bit of boom. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And it was just the way it was. And it's one of the cool stories about Roadhog's breathing is it's kind of taken from Megatron. Like, how would a Decepticon who didn't need oxygen breathe? Okay. He would kind of be like, you yeah. know, kind of like a car failing to start up. So that's kind of how Roadhog's came from. Nice. Ah. I like that. Absolutely. So, so one thing that I always love to ask because I, I, I love I love the voice acting world sure. and I love uh, interviewing voice actors. But one thing I always ask: in character, yeah. say something that Roadhog would never ever get caught dead saying. Uh, mayonnaise, because <laughs> he doesn't need it because he's watching his figure. You know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably bacon would definitely be something you'd never bacon. hear Roadhog say. Yeah. Bacon. What do you want to eat? Uh, bacon. No. 
<laughs> I love it. I love but I'm it. a huge fan of bacon, which has put a moral dilemma on me. I know, right? Because I'm a good fan of some hickory smoked maple. Mm-hmm. Ooh, crispy on the outside, chewy in the middle. Hey, I, I, I got the figure of Roadhog, <laughs> so too, I know what brother. you're saying. Man. I know what you're saying. So thank you for taking out the time, and no, especially absolutely. coming out to Arizona. Is this your first time in this? In this the is my first time in Arizona. It's Are a little you? dry, yeah. but living in L.A., uh, we're used to the heat. It's not too bad at all. You yeah. Know, so I thought it was really cool. Cool. Well, thank you for, for coming out, no, and thank, thank you, you for, for the quick interview, you know? I appreciate that, man. Con Air Radio. Yeah, Con Air Make Radio. Make sure you tune in every week. Con Air Radio. This is Josh Petersdorf, voice of Roadhog, signing out. All right, Jared, again here at Game On Expo with Anjali Bamani, uh, the voice of Symmetra from Overwatch. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty good. First and foremost, how's Game On Expo treating you? It's been fantastic. We've had such a great time here. Good, yeah. good. Is this your first time through Arizona? Uh, first time in Phoenix. In Phoenix? Yeah, okay. I've driven through Arizona a lot, mm-hmm. but, uh, and obviously I visited the Grand Canyon, as you do as a good American. Right, um, right. But uh, but I haven't had a chance to visit Phoenix before, so, oh. so quick in and out, unfortunately. We're yeah. hoping to see it again sometime. Well, welcome welcome to the Valley of the Sun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So um, so doing the voiceover work uh, that you've done for, for Symmetra mm-hmm. on, on Overwatch, how did that all get started? How, how did you get into it? Well, I've been an actress for the, my entire adult life, and so this was just another lane. As an actor, you do everything that you can and everything that they let you do that's legal. Um, so it was just another audition that I got through my agents. I wish it was a sexier story. Mm-hmm. Um, but another audition that I got through my agents, my voiceover agents, and I did the audition and got the job, lucked into it. Hey, every story is a good story. I mean, it is, it is a story. I don't know yes. if it's a good story, but it's a story. <laughs> so, um... How, so is this is this your first game that you've done? Or? Uh, well, I also did a voice in Fallout 4 in the Nuka World uh, content. Uh, her name's Nisha. So I did that character. Um, and then I've done, a, you know, voiceover, other voiceover stuff. But mostly, most of the stuff that I've done in my career is television and theater. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. So what was kind of your uh, your inspiration behind the voice of Symmetra? Well, Blizzard did a really good job when they sent out the auditions and, and obviously through the game of describing the character. And so the way that they described her was that, again, she's very, um, she believes in a very orderly world. She believes that chaos is the biggest problem in the world. So there was an elegance to the way that they described described her so I wanted that to be an inspiration for how smooth her voice was and then her accent is very similar to my mother's because I'm, I'm Indian as well um, so you know, it was pretty much it was a combination of both the character description and just how it you know how it made me feel awesome awesome so one of the things I love asking because I'm an aspiring voice actor and I love I love the world of voice acting one thing that I always ask any voice actor that I interview in character say something that your character would never say in real life. I know, that's a tough one. Wow. It, it's what all... would my character say, never say in real life? It's totally fine that the dishes are piling up in the dishwasher. I don't know, like she hates, I have no idea what she would say, you totally stumped me. It, it, it's an exercise in acting it too. It is an exercise is. in improv, but like I'm so used to being in character, I can't mm-hmm. imagine what she would say out of character. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think that was a good one though. No, I guess she uh, she doesn't like a mess. No. So uh, I feel like I feel like it would have to be something like that. I don't know, I was terrible at that game, I'm sorry. Oh no, Totally that's failed that game. No, don't, don't worry, you're, you're not the only one that stumbled, but it's <laughs> but it, it was good, I love it. Okay. I love it. Well, thank you again for taking time out of your schedule and for, uh, for joining us here at Game On Expo. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, well, and hopefully we'll see you again at one of our other conventions. I would love that. All right, bye-bye. Bye.
All right, we are back here at Game On Expo, and I am here with the voice of Sombra, Carolina Rebasa. Hola, Carolina. You said that really well. Hola. Well, I'm, I'm half Hispanic, so I, I got to I gotta make sure to do mom proud. I figured as much. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the voice of Sombra in Overwatch, how, how'd you get that gig? Um, I auditioned through my agents. You know, I, uh, we audition for tons of stuff all the time, and half the time we don't get them. And uh, this is one of the jobs I did book. So, yeah. So, how's, uh, how's Game On Expo been treating you? Good. Uh, it's been great. Uh, everyone in Phoenix has been really nice. I mean, here at the, at the you know, convention, anyway. Um, I flew in at dusk, and it was a beautiful view. So, mm -hmm. you know, so far, so good. Well, is, is this your first time to the Valley? Or? First time. Really? Yep, yep. So, I, I got I to gotta say something, because I was actually on your IMDb page a little bit ago. Sure. I found out something. Yeah. I am one day older than you. One day. Yeah, we are, oh my we, gosh. we are both Gemini's. And you and you do the same year. We were born Sa the same, same year. year. Same year. Same year. Holy cow! There we go, so, Gemini. Yeah, there Super. we go. Awesome. And I, I, I kind of found that I'm just strolling through. I'm like, wait, birthday. What? Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> Gemini's are fun, man. Yeah, we are. We're a little yeah. crazy. There, I, I've actually noticed there's a lot of Gemini's in voice acting. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of uh, well, I can't, it can't can't be a blanket statement, right. but I feel like a lot of Gemini's do go into acting because we're extroverts. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, so get, getting into voice acting, how, how did you start getting into voice acting? You know, I just always loved acting since I was a kid and I studied it in college and then I moved to New York to pursue acting and once you get an agent to start maybe doing commercial work and voiceover work, it's just, for me, it's part of the package. Like, I don't separate voice acting and regular acting. I mean, it is different kind of acting, but I just started auditioning for all sorts of things. So mm -hmm. I didn't set out to just be a voice actor. Um, I think that I always liked imitating voices and doing different accents and stuff, so it's something that came to me naturally. But, you know, then you seek out auditions with your agents that are specific voice commercial right. auditions or whatever, so that's kind of how it happened, you know? Okay. Well, I personally, I'm, I'm trying to get into the, vo the world of voice acting and all that, and uh, one thing that I love talking to other voice actors and, and interviewing them, the one big question I always ask, in character, as Sombra, Say something she would never say. Blizzard doesn't let me do that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they don't. Besides our voice lines, or like "Happy Birthday, John," or you know, you know, uh, you know, "Happy Anniversary, Samantha." Like, it's their intellectual property, so. Right. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. Sorry. That's fine. Well, thank you again for coming out to Arizona, and hopefully we'll see you again at one of our other cons. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. All right. And, of course, uh, if anybody wants to follow you on uh, online, do you have a Twitter and all that? Yeah. Uh, my Twitter is Carolina Ravasa, my name. My Instagram is Ravasa, my last name. And uh, I have a, a YouTube page, where a YouTube channel that I put up my own characters that I do for sketch comedy and videos I do with other Overwatch actors, and it's called Hispanglo-Saxon. Because I'm a Hispanic and an Anglo-Saxon, I kind of make fun of being a white Latina in the industry, um, and so that's that's kind of where I put up a lot of content. So um, yeah, so you can find me there. Nice, Emily. Well, thank you again for uh, for joining us on Conair Radio. Thank you. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you, and I think to myself, bullshit! What a wonderful world. <laughs>
Where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed.